Lord, we certainly need that, don't we? The Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, in our lives, in our churches, in our community. What a great song to, to pray this day. Um, I'm glad y'all are here. My name is Rick Ivey. I'm the pastor of the church, and uh, we are glad that you have come to worship with us this day. We are continuing on in a sermon series called God in Baseball, and if you didn't make the other ones, that's okay. We still like you, um, and we're going to continue this on for a couple more weeks. I um, am talking today about something that is just as important to uh, sports and to baseball as it is to the life of the church and to Christianity, and that is miracles. Uh, I think certainly one of the reasons that we go to sporting events or that we pay money to go to them or watch them on TV is that there's always that chance that something just profoundly great and amazing will happen that uh, when we think about why would we go to a game, why would we watch something on TV, uh, part of that reason is that maybe we love our team, maybe we've, we've cheered for them a long time, but there's that, that possibility that something great will happen, something unexpected, something that we can barely explain if we can explain it all. And uh, when we think about those times, you know, you've got great examples in baseball, 1988, the clip that we watched a few weeks ago in the Dodgers baseball game in which the count was full, bottom of the ninth, no chance of it ever happening, and Kirk Gibson knocks it out of the park. It's just unexplainable, unexpected. It should not have happened. Um, you can go through great teams like the Miracle Mets or from uh, any number of ways in which you can be just profoundly amazed at what happened. You know, there have been times in the World Series in which somebody has thrown a no-hitter it is just uh, profoundly amazing. Or, or like even with the Houston Astros, like in the wake of Harvey, that they would go on to win and get the Major League Baseball title. They win the series. That was just, it was just profoundly great. And everybody thought it was just unexpected. There's no way they could do it. And yet, it does. And not only do we love that in terms of sports and baseball, you know, those moments where we just step back and go, how did that happen? Um, in another sport, I still remember as a kid, that uh, they had the, the boxer Mike Tyson, and he was just going to be unbeatable. And then you wake up one morning, and he's been defeated by Buster Douglas, and you go, that is just impossible. Uh, but not only does it happen in sports, but also when we look to our lives and to our faith, that one of the things that is central and important to us is the idea that God can do the unexpected. Our whole faith, Christianity, is based on the idea that God can do something as miraculous as raising somebody from the dead. You know, we are an Easter people, a people that have our faith rooted and set upon an idea of God resurrecting the dead and restoring us to life and giving us life eternal. Uh, that is central to who we are and what we are as a people. Now, along with that expectation, there's also... The reality that, you know, there's times where we need to be a little skeptical, um, where we're going to be at a place where we begin to say, well, did that happen because it was a miracle, or is there something more to it? And there's good times where we can look at that and we can say, you know, uh, we should be careful. There was a time in which the San Francisco Giants were winning games left and right. They were just having a miraculous year, and uh, it turned out that rather than it being a miraculous thing or some kind of magical thing happening that they were in fact cheating. Uh, they were using cameras from their press box to determine what the calls were and what the signs were. Uh, they were cheating. It was not a miracle at all. 
Uh, and then there's other times where we might be a little bit more skeptical uh, or question about miracles. I remember when we uh, lived in the Tyler area, there was a uh, billboard on the loop in Tyler that said, come to this church, and I won't name which one it was. It said, every Tuesday night is miracle night. And I always thought, that is so cool. It's almost like, you know, every Wednesday night at Wesley in the fall, we have a meal. But that church, it was like, Tuesday night, miracle. It was just profound. It's like, how is that possible? Is God like, tell them ahead of time? It's like, put it on your calendar. Tuesday night, it's going to happen. You know, it was just so, so amazing. And I never went to that church, but looking back, it's like, I wish I'd gone. I would have longed to gone to, to miracle night. Let me get the t-shirt, you know. I went to miracle night. That'd be cool. Uh, but, but it's important. Um, and I just want to ask you a quick question, you know. If you were to, you don't have to say it out loud, but if you were to think to yourself, what is the, the miracle that you most long for, that you most sigh for in your life? You know, it, it could be something as simple as, you know, your own salvation. You know, you look at your own life and you say, I, I just don't know if this is ever going to happen. I don't know if I'm ever going to know God the way that I want to, or if God's ever going to work in my life the way that he has, and other people's lives. It, it could be something uh, as important as that. Uh, or it could be maybe you're praying that prayer over somebody who's in your family. You know, maybe you've got a child or a parent or a friend or a neighbor or somebody like that, and you're praying for them. Uh, maybe it could be more than just a salvation issue. Maybe it could be something like uh, praying for the four students at Westbrook that were hurt in a car wreck. Or it could be like Earlier today, I had somebody in the first service come up to me and tell me about one of their grandsons that's in the hospital and in need of something great to happen, you know, in order for him to live. Uh, it could be any number of things, or, or maybe it's like one of the broader things in the world, like one of the larger world problems that are out there that you're, you would love to see God intervene and do something about, right? I remember in um, one of the Bible studies that I was a part of early on in my Christian faith, we get to the part of the Bible study where we'd all take a moment and share our prayer requests, and we'd go around the room, and people usually had really good ones, like, I'm praying for my cousin who's about to have surgery or something like that, and it'd be my turn, and inevitably, I couldn't think of anything, and I would just say, uh, all the bad stuff in the world, pray for that, you know, um, that it could be anything like that, but, but what would you pray for? And I, I want you to, to think about that because when we read the scripture that we're about to, I want you to know that Paul would be speaking to people just like us, you know, that, that have all those questions, all those concerns, all those fears, all those doubts, all those things that we want to see God at work in, and um, he gives them some specific prayers to, to pray for people. He says, this, this is why I kneel before the Father, you know, we sometimes stand, we sometimes sit, and Paul's saying, my posture before God is is one of submission. It's kneeling. It's getting before God, putting my knees to the ground, and begging God, praying to God, asking God. He says, this is why I do it. He says, um, I, every ethnic group in heaven and on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you will have the power to grasp God's love with width and length, 
height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. And so that is his, his prayer. And it's, it's really a profound one. You know, he's saying, the reason I pray is that I want people to know God's love. I, I want them to experience God's spirit in their hearts. Why would he pray that? Why would that be his prayer? I mean, certainly they had all the problems that you and I face on a daily basis. They had poverty. They had hunger. Um, you know, they didn't have real problems like slow Wi-Fi or anything like that that we face on a daily basis, right? But he had real problems just like you and I. And Paul's prayer for them is not one of take all these things away. But rather, it's a prayer of, I pray that the Holy Spirit will work within your heart to strengthen you. And what he's saying is that, like, on the innermost part of who you are, the very depths of who you are, where your actions, your behaviors, your emotions, your personality, where all that is, he prays, you know, he says, I, I pray that you would, you would know God there, and that it would be such a, a close connection, that it's almost like, Jesus is right there next to you. It was that real to you, that it's that profound to you. And there was a, uh, 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 early on, there was a preacher in, in the London area, and he, he put it this way. He said, you know, the easiest analogy you can give is that you say something like, you know, somebody wakes up one day and they're married, of course, and, um, but they say to their spouse, they said, you know, it just doesn't feel like we're married. You know, it just doesn't feel like we're married. We, we've got the certificate. We, we go through the motions. We live together. We have kids together. But it just doesn't feel like it's something that is real to us. And many times when you talk to Christians and you say, do you, do you know God loves you? Do you know how greatly God loves you? They'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And yet their life and their behavior doesn't reflect it. And so what is Paul praying? Why is this prayer so important? He's saying, this is so fundamental. This is so essential that we know God's love, that we experience it in a way that it's just like Jesus is next to us, that a very real person of Christ is present in our lives and that we know that love, that realness of God's love. And God is so amazing that he can speak into our hearts and make that happen and speak to us in a way that matters so dearly and so importantly to us. Um, many years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine and she was maybe, I think, two years into her marriage. And uh, she was talking with me about the fact that she just didn't think her husband loved her the way that uh, he ought to. You know, they've been married for about two years, which is usually a critical junction in a marriage. And she was just saying to me, she said, it just doesn't seem like he gets it. He doesn't, he doesn't really love me the way that I think he should. I said, well, let me just tell me, tell me what he does. What does he do for you? He says, well, you know, he, he's great. He'll, uh, he'll go take my car. He'll change the oil in it. He'll, um, he'll fix things around the house. He goes to work every day and gets a paycheck. And um, he, you know, when I'm tired, he'll even cook the meals for me. And I said, 
That is his way of saying that he loves you. You may not get that, but if he changes your oil, baby, he, he loves you. I mean, he cares about you. <laughs> and the miraculous thing about God is God has a way to speak to those parts of our lives where we desperately need it. And God doesn't always speak to us in the same way. God doesn't even show us the same kind of love in the same exact way, but rather God has a way of looking exactly at who we are and what we desperately need and touching us there and speaking to us there. And so that's what Paul is praying for, saying that we would know that kind of love. He says that I ask that he will strengthen you in the inner selves from the richness of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love. I ask that you'll have the power to grasp God's love, his width, the length, the height, the depth, together with all the believers. And so what is the, the prayer that he's saying? That they'll know that love and that that love will live within them. That it will dwell there. Live within our hearts and our lives. And then the funny word that's there is that, you know, he prays that they will grasp. That they'll grasp the heights and the depths and the greatness of God's love. That they'll grasp it. And the word that's there is a pretty funny one. It's a strange one to have there. Uh, it is the kind of grasp that you would describe. They held that person down and robbed them. I mean, that's the Greek, if you really pull it out of there. It says that's, that's, the, that's the kind of grasping that you imagine, that you grab hold of somebody, hold them down, and rob them. Isn't that a great Christian idea? Um, and that it, corporately, if you were going to put it in the plural, it would be like a group of people going in and robbing a village and then running away with all their goods. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. I says, like, I pray that you will go and take from God, that you'll grasp it, that you'll grab hold of this glorious riches of God's love for you. And he's saying, I just pray that you'll seek that, that you'll long for that, that you'll go through and, and do your absolute best to grasp God's greatness and God's glory in Jesus Christ. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. I ask that you will know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. And it's a pretty amazing statement, you know, that, I, that you will be filled with God's love, that you will... That you will know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge. And what is he saying here? He's saying that we will be filled with God's love that's beyond what we can articulate or say or put on paper or reason with. I think one of my biggest struggles in faith or coming to Christ was the idea and the understanding that somehow or another there was going to come a day where I had read enough books, where I had reasoned through enough arguments, um, that I had said the right words, said the right formula, did the right things in order to be loved by God and to know God. It was one of my biggest struggles in faith, to get to a place where God made sense, where God was perfectly understandable, where all the miracles could be explained, where all the stories were perfectly aligned. 
And I thought to myself, once I get there, when I know enough, I'll have everything I'm supposed to have from God. And Paul says that's just not the case. But rather what we are called and to understand is that there's something far greater than what we can know, far greater than what we can attain. And he says it's this beautiful gift that God alone can give. His son and his salvation for our world and for each of us. And that is Paul's prayer for them. And it's not an easy thing for us to do, to think about. We love to be able to reason through it or think through it or be able to earn our way toward it. One of the funniest stories that you can find about one of our nation's founders was uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, he went through the time in his life where he decided that, you know, he really wanted a God that was reasonable, that made sense perfectly to him. That's always a dangerous thing. And uh, he actually took what they think is like a penknife, and he went through his Bible and he cut out portions of the Bible that he thought were, you know, just too mystical, too magical. Took out all the miracle stories. He took out all the things that were questionable to us. And he was left with some of Jesus' teachings. And he said, that's, that's what I'm going to go by. And what's the problem there? Well, that's just everything that man can do on their own, right? And what is he missing? All the fun stuff. All the amazing things that God can do, the spark of life, the power, the mystery, the wonder that God can bring into our lives, into our hearts, into our world, that wonder, that power that goes beyond our knowledge and our understanding and what we can reason our way into, that it speaks into our hearts and our lives. And what changes all of that? Knowing how dearly and powerfully loved we truly are. Today, I just, uh, I invite you, you know, maybe it is a, a time in your life where you're really struggling with your faith. Maybe you're going through a difficulty. Maybe you're at a place where you have told God over and over, God, if you'll just fix this one thing, if you will just miraculously change this circumstance or fix this relationship, or if you will help me accomplish this or, or whatever the case might be, uh, and then you bargained with God and said, and Lord, if you will do this, then I will certainly change all these things that you know that I've already should have changed. You know, maybe you're there and you're looking for something miraculous to occur. And what God is really speaking to you today is saying is just, would you rest in my love? Would you let my love be your consolation in this moment? Would you let me love you perfectly and wonderfully so that you would know the heights and the depths and the greatness and the power of God's love for this world. And if you already know that, then the next piece of this is going to be super easy. Would you pray that for somebody else? We have a fantastic opportunity on August 4th to invite people to our church for the Wesley Roundup. Come and enjoy a meal. I hope they love the music. I hope they think my sermons are kind of funny, but at the end of the day, I hope they experience what a loving church this is, that that represents God's love to them in a powerful way. Would you pray that for them? Would you pray that for your friends and neighbors that don't know God or that are struggling with God and that they would grasp God's great love for them? Let us begin that work. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, I have uh, shared your words, given some thoughts, and I look for you to do the rest. You know the places in our hearts and our lives where we need to grow in your love, where we need to experience that. You know our hurts and our longings, our sighs, our hang-ups, the places where we get stuck. Help us to see and to know and to taste and to experience this day. Your spirit working within us, freeing us, redeeming us, cleansing us, so that we might 